Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 567. This is part two of a two-part talk I had with Colin Crabb. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that'll jumpstart a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost Jump Starter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. All right, Colin, we are back. And the next question I have for you has to do with your proudest career moment. I would assume you've had many in your long and illustrative career. But is there one in particular that stands out for you? Well, I think the, the one that stands out has to be stand out. As my proudest moment was finding the W125 in East Germany. I got very proud when I got it through Checkpoint Charlie. I was really sweating. Oh, I can't even imagine. I had to go and pay. I think it was eight or $9,000. Makes you think. It wasn't very much, was it? Right. And in a, in a sort of sack, I had to go in notes. I had to go and pay for this thing at Checkpoint Charlie. Wow. And it came out. There was no problem at all. I mean, I suppose the guards had been already bribed. Yeah. But I must admit, I was very, very worried. In fact, I was desperately worried. I was going to get into trouble leaving Germany with the car because it must have been a sort of great value to the German. Ah, uh, I see what you mean, yeah. They couldn't care less. It was the most extraordinary thing. They, could, they, didn't, they didn't want, Mercedes didn't want to know. They said, I didn't have a car like that. I'm inventing it all. I'm imagining it. Wow. And, of course, that didn't help my case because the thing was obviously in pretty poor condition. Mm-hmm. Luckily, it, it was it was very complete. But what there was was in not in good shape. Yeah, I mean the, the various strange alloys they'd used in the engine, in the casings were, were were rotten. Oh wow! And a lot of it had to be held together with araldite glues. Oh gosh! Right, <laughs> glues. No, no, and we just had to keep the revs down on the thing. Same time as my Grand Prix uh, moments and uh, ownership, and of course we got terrific sponsorship from Firestone, for example. Uh huh. Who had special tires made. I mean, the wheels of this thing were 20, 23 inch in diameter. Oh, my goodness. So you can imagine getting racing tires for 23 inch wheels. <laughs> yes. Firestone <laughs> made them for me. That's brilliant. And the great moments, because without that, you'd be running on tractor tires. Oh, right. Exactly. It was completely reliable, the car, and eventually it got to the stage. We'd won all the historic vintage races, and uh, there was a lot of things people saying to each other. I don't think I'm going to come out for that race meeting. Crab's going to be there, isn't he? <laughs> and we can't beat him. So I, I thought, well, that's not very sporting. 
And I said, right. And I'd had a very good offer for the thing, so I sold it. Wow. Exchanged wow. It. I didn't sell it. I exchanged it for five other cars. Oh, goodness. Including a 300 SL Roadster. Wow. No, not a Roadster, a Coupe. Mm-hmm. A 512 Ferrari Coupe. Wow. 1972 car, whatever it was. And several other cars. I forget what they were, but it was a, a deal very much on my side. Yes. But again, the Mercedes... You know, every time you took it out, you wondered what was going to happen, which what bit was going to break. <laughs> yes. Um, it was, it was a bit, it, she was very delicate. Yeah. Because now you can buy a brand new W125 in England. Mm. You can buy a brand new one. My goodness. Absolutely identical. But when we had this car, we couldn't, the, the factory wouldn't let us have any paperwork, any blueprints. Ah. They were absolutely, having decided I didn't own the thing. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't provide any blueprints. The supercharger was broken, so I couldn't use that. So we had to fit a supercharger off an MG, a tiny thing. Mm-hmm. A huge, huge SU carburetor that was, came off V16 BRM. Oh, wow. I'd forgotten that, but that was the thing with the size of a football. It was huge. Anyway, it, it ran first time out. It was amazing. We towed it up past this house I'm in now on the main road. Mm-hmm. And... She started up, you know, on the end of a rope. I overtook the towing vehicle with wheel spin. It was very frightening, actually. Wow. Wow. It was a terrific car to drive. When we got it sorted out, it handled well. It did everything well. Yes. And I bought a second one just to really cap it. I bought the W163, which is a Mm three-liter blown car, uh, which had been brought in for to race at Indianapolis after the war. Reg Parnell sent, found it and sent it over to, I forget who drove it at Indianapolis. It was not a success because nobody could get it running properly. Wow. And I bought that. Fantastic. But, that, but, but it, had a, it had a Jaguar D-type engine in it, believe it or not. Hmm. Uh, and, the, and the engine that was owned by a man in, in, in Los Angeles until relatively recently, I couldn't get it out of it, but he sold it to the next owner. Wow. Amazing stories. Well, let's have a little bit of fun. This is going to be a tough question, I think. I want you to go back and share with us your first, and I emphasize first, really special car. That first car that you got your hands on as a trader and buyer and seller of cars that really had strong meaning for you. Tricky, then. Yes. (laughs) If you were phrased it slightly differently, what was the best of the early cars I had? It was a Mini Cooper. I've never forgotten that. Oh, really? Okay. Well, that taught me to drive. I yes. mean, you know, going, I was going to guard. I was in, I was in the brigade of guards, and, you know, all dressed up to the nines, going from the barracks to Windsor Castle. If you do it in under quarter nine, we're really breaking every record in the book. <laughs> um, all dressed up, you know, with a basket sitting on the seat beside me. Uh-huh. But that was how it was. What was the other part of your question? Well, the next question I have for you has to do with the vehicle that you've sold that you really wish you had back. Now, you've sold a tremendous number of cars. So I, I want to take money out of the equation here. I want to have you go back and think of a car that has a really special meaning for you that you wish you had back. doesn't matter what the cost is or the price is, but is there one car that you've let go that you really wish you had back in your garage? Mark, you won't like the question on this. <laughs> I've never regretted selling a car in my life. That's pretty good. You're a fortunate guy. I, I've never regretted it because... It's a business deal, and if the deal, if I, you know, if you don't do a deal, both, uh, the deal is that, that means that both parties have to be happy. 
Exactly. I'm the seller. If I'm a happy seller, I don't think about that car again. Ah, okay. Okay. Well, that's a very good way to think about it. I'm such a big man that there are not a lot of cars I can get in. Ah, yes. That is a challenge. <laughs> I remember when somebody uh, made a comment about, because I'm not very tall. I'm nowhere near as tall as you are. And I said, yeah, I may not be tall, but I can fit into any race car. You're so lucky. <laughs> there you go. Yay. From the words of Colin Crabb, I am lucky. So <laughs> You are. Actually. I think the last historic racing car we had, which was a fluke, actually, in the 1990s, it, was, it turned up, which was uh, a French Delage, which, which was had been a Grand Prix car at one stage, 1936. It had run as a sports car. It had had two bodies, and it still had its original Figoni and Falergi body. And I bought it for next to nothing in Scotland, wow. and we rebuilt it. And my s- smallest apprentice, who was only about five foot, could not get in it. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, you, you know, the size, I, whether we've got bigger, we probably have over the years. Yeah, I think we have. Got the dad's better, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. Well, Colin, what I would love to do now is talk about what's happening today. I want you to share with my listeners this new book you've written, Colin Crabb, Thrill of the Chase. And I'd love for you to share a little bit about why you've written the book, what the book is about, what our listeners can expect. And I want to remind the listeners that one Lucky Cars Yes subscriber is going to get a copy compliments of Colin of this new book. So make sure you go and subscribe at the Cars Yeah website. But tell us about this new book, would you? Yeah, I really had no intention of writing a book until about three three or four years ago when I was went to the car show at Pebble Beach. And in fact, I sold a car at Pebble Beach. And then in the sort of aftermath, one went to a great big lovely party and people decided to sending on me. There was a group of Brazilians who said, look here, you took all the cars out of our country. Ha ha. Why don't you write a book about it? Mm. I don't think so. And, and I was persuaded by various people that I should write a book. I then met Glyn. And Glyn happened to be in on one of these parties. And he, he put the charmers on me. <laughs> and, <laughs> I and like before, that. Put the charmers on you. That's a good one. Before I knew it, he'd come to see me in England. And he said, what are we going to do about this book? Mm-hmm. And with a bit of careful persuasion from him, my wife, my South American friends, and numerous other people, I, I put pen to paper. Ah, okay. And one, very luckily, I hadn't ever thrown any paperwork away. Ah, okay. So I had, so I had deals going back into the 60s, still sitting in the drawers. Wow. Photographs of these things going back to the 60s. So the book is actually illustrated with some 450 photographs. Oh, my goodness. In fact, I think there's more than that. All of which are ones that I've... I've been able to sort of find in the files. This is about the history of all your dealings with cars. Do, do you go into your racing as well? It doesn't cover them all, but it, it, I should think it covers, say, 75, 80% of them. But I've, forgotten, I've forgotten about a few. I mean, God, let me tell you, on my desk I'm looking at now, there's a most beautiful picture of a 2.9 Alfa Romeo Spider. Value today, $15 million, I suppose, or pounds. Yes. A 1938 car, ex-Lord Ridley. And I'd clean forgotten I bought the thing. Oh, wow. Two, two and a half thousand pounds I paid for it. <laughs> Absolutely like brand new. And I took this car out, and this is an important note for your listeners. Mm-hmm. As we took the car out, it had the most gutless performance. I thought, and you know, one knew what a Jaguar XK120 would do. But this thing just didn't 
even pretend to be a Jaguar. It was dead slow. My little 327 BMW was every bit as quick. Wow. And so I rather went off, went off the, the boil on, on Alfa Romeo's and rather stupidly sold it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> what a pretty car. Yeah, very pretty. Over the years, I've had six of them. Oh, my goodness. Wow. 28. That's not bad. There have been a tremendous number of cars that have passed through your hands. And again, I would encourage our listeners to get their hands on a copy of this new book, Colin Crabb, Thrill of the Chase. Absolutely spectacular history of what it was like to find these cars and sell these cars and deal with these cars and play with these cars. Very, very cool. Now, Colin, I have a very introspective question for you. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? Oh, interesting question, isn't it? Yes, and I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll blame this question on a fellow Brit, Harold Cleworth, who is an artist originally from the UK, lives in the US now, gave me the idea for this question. So I'll blame it on your friends on your side of the <laughs> pond, okay? I have a simple answer for that. Okay. If I were a car, an old car, which I which had had the living daylight thrashed out of it, out of it by somebody like me, <laughs> or my friends... I would want a nice, simple, gentle life, a little servicing, and a kind owner. Okay. Someone who would clean me, wash me, and cherish me so that I last for another generation. <laughs> I like that. Very interesting answer. It's a sort of bit of fact, actually. Because, you know, these cars, well, it's a bit stupid, really, because these cars are so stupidly expensive nowadays. And the trouble is people are buying these cars who well, are not collectors. It's purely investment. Yes. In this country, for some extraordinary reason, they're not taxable. Mm, okay. Now, we're not taxed on them. Yes, that's all right. I've had other guests from the UK have told me that. Now, if we could narrow this car that you are down to a mark, a specific make and model, do you have any idea what that would be? <laughs> narrow me down. It has to be a Ferrari, doesn't it? Oh, okay. <laughs> I've, had, I've had dozens of Ferraris. Yes. I would think, I'll tell you what I think the best Ferrari I ever had was, which is the car... I could barely get in, but it's so unique as to be crazy. It's a, it was a 1964 LM, rear engines, 3.3-litre LM. Yes. One of two road cars they built. Wow. And this was built for Count Volpe, and I used to see it when I was running the Formula One team, parked outside the Hotel de Paris in Monte Carlo. Wow. And years later, I was able to buy it. Nice. It's a lovely photograph I, I, I found the other day through a friend of mine of the car when it was brand new, unraced, sitting outside the Hotel de Paris, a different color. Wow. But it, when I had it, it was blue. We went to America, actually, where I, no doubt it still is. What a, what a road car. I mean, I can just, I, I had one of my great road trips in it, actually, driving it from Ireland. I mean, I used to, I had it for a number of years. I sold it three times. And one of the people I sold it to was an Irishman. And I went and buy it, buy it from him. And, and he said, well, I'll sell it to you, but you've got to drive it back. So I said, fine. And again, it was a question of taking the seats out and half the floor out to get me in. <laughs> but God, what a wonderful trip I had. Um, back to England. We got on the main highways in England, going on the ferry, arriving about four o'clock in the morning, midsummer. No traffic, no police. Winding her up to, you know, 160, 170 miles an hour. Wow. With a noise just I've never forgotten. Yeah. And that was one of the great drives I've ever had. Ah, oh, fantastic. I have had several LMs, but that, was, that, I think, is probably the best Ferrari I've ever had. Not the most practical. 
Um, most practical Ferrari I've ever had, except I'm not strong enough to drive it now, would be a Daytona. Oh. I had a very early Daytona, which I adored. Yes. Yeah, another great car. And those modern Ferraris. I don't like any of them. Yeah. Well, the stories never end here, but we got to keep moving along this journey. So I would like to uh, enter what I call the last lap here. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some quick blips of the throttle answers. So are you ready? Try me. Okay, I will try you. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received? Well, probably the best I've ever received. You are a bloody fool, Colin, to get involved with motor cars. <laughs> <laughs> and, and who gave you that advice? I think my father. Your father, uh, of course. I, I paid no attention to him. Of and course, of course. It probably made me, it's probably the best automotive advice I ever had. I had more and more of them. Yes, absolutely. Now, how about a personal habit? Is there a personal habit you believe has helped contribute to your success with your business over the years? Yes, keeping one step ahead of the opposition. Oh, very nice. Oh, I love that one. I was the first guy to go to Cuba. I was the first guy to go to Brazil. Ah, wonderful, wonderful. Yes, leading the charge. Now, do you have a resource that you think our listeners would really enjoy? Something that helps you move along in the kind of business that you have? Well, I'm looking at my favorite book. Ah, okay. And it's got, oddly enough, it's got some fan mail in it, which people sent to me years ago. Mm-hmm. And it was written by a marvelous man who I was lucky to meet before he died, called George Monkhouse. And George Monkhouse spent the late 30s with the Mercedes team, as actually as their, one of their official photographers. And the book is all about Mercedes. This is the first edition Wow. It's about Rossemeyer giving the Nazi salute. I'm just looking through it now. Mm-hmm. And it's a signed book. And there's my car, my actual car in it. Wow. And it's printed in 1937, and it's one of my most treasured possessions. I believe there are reprints, but it's beautifully illustrated and extremely well written. What's the title of the book? The title of the book, it's, I think it's, I think it's simply Motor Racing in Mercedes-Benz, I think. Motor racing. motor racing with Mercedes-Benz. There we go. Wow. By George Monkhouse. Very nice. Absolutely fantastic. Well, listeners, you can find all these great resources that Colin's been so kind to share on his very own show notes page at carsyad.com slash Colin Crab. And Colin's last name is spelled C-R-A-B-B-E. All right, Colin, we're up to the checkered flag, and this last question can be a bit of a doozy. I have a feeling for a guy like you, but you might, might you might surprise me. If you could have only one collector car in your garage, you've got to keep this car. You cannot sell it, but I want you to take it out and enjoy it. But money is no object. I'm going to buy you any car in the world. I'm going to search the jungles of the Amazon. I'm going to go to Cuba. I'm going to go to India, wherever I have to go to get you this car. What would that one vehicle be and why? Well, you don't need to do that. Oh. We've, we've got it already. Oh, okay. What is it? Well, I've got my dad's 32780 convertible BMW. Oh, okay. It is not the world's most expensive car, but for 1937, it was certainly the world's most advanced car. Ah, uh, yes. And that will cruise all day at 75 miles an hour. It will do 100 miles an hour because we've been timed in it. It has better brakes than the modern car. We've te- It's been through all the tests on... On, on the machines that test brakes, and it handles well, and it does, you know, it's very economical to run. Wow. And I fit in it. So my, <laughs> father, my, my father was my size, you see, he was another great big man, and how he ever, he ever got in these Alfa Romeos. Wow. But that was really, my, and of course my grandson now is the owner of it. 
Wow. He's only six, but he's <laughs> he's done as the new owner. He's the next caretaker. Well, you know, it's absolutely fantastic that you still have that car of your father's and that you enjoy it. What's even better is I don't have to go out and buy you an expensive car. So you saved me a bundle of loot today, and I really appreciate that. Colin, you are an amazing person. You've taken us on an awesome ride today. I've had so much fun. I have a feeling I could sit and listen to your stories for days and days. I'm looking so forward to getting my hands on your new book, and I've really enjoyed you sharing some time with me today, calling in all the way from the UK. I want to thank you for sharing just a bit of your amazing journey through life. Could you offer us one parting piece of guidance, a thought though, for the listeners out there before you drive off in the sunset with your grandson in that 1937-327 BMW. A parting word of advice, I would think be sensible and don't, don't spend your money on motor cars. They cost, <laughs> you, they cost you a fortune in the end. <laughs> now, those are funny words coming from a man like you. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you these days? Do you have a website? Is there a way to follow you? No, we don't have a website. I think the only way you can follow me is look at this book which I was persuaded to write. Absolutely. Well, listeners, again, you can find links to everything Colin has been so kind to share today on his show notes page at carsyad.com slash Colin Crab. And make sure you get your hands on this new book that he's written. It's titled Thrill of the Chase, and it's by Dalton Watson, the publisher. We'll make sure that I put links on there so you can go to their website and get your hands on this. And again, one lucky listener is going to get a free copy of this book, Compliments of Colin and the Publisher. You have to go to the Cars yeah website and subscribe, though. So make sure you do that. Click on the free book button and your name will be in the hat and I'll draw one winner. Hey, Colin, thank you for being so generous today with your time. And How about you making me an honorary member of your things so I can click in without having to pay? <laughs> Well, nobody has to pay to come to the Cars yeah! website. It's free for all the listeners. All the past 566, 67 shows are free. I'm 567, am I? You're, yes, you're already a member of the Cars yeah! team here. You're now an alumni member being a guest on the show. So don't worry about that, Colin. You're already in with me. You have shared awesome stories. And again, I want to thank you for being so generous with your time and for sharing your experiences with me and the listeners. Until we talk again... Colin, I'll see you down the road. You betcha. If you're over in Blighty, come and see us. Hey, I'm going to do that. Thank you. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye-bye.